Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is The Story You Need to Tell. So I love this episode. I love the title of the episode. I feel so connected to it. I, When I wrote my book, The Soul Frequency, Your Healthy, Awakened, Authentic Life, it has a lot of my personal transformational journey within the book. I wavered back and forth on how much of it to share. There's, I mean, I could probably write seven books about all of the details of the transformation because big transformation has a lot of details. Um, But really thinking about what to share in that book and how to share it only so that it's helpful for somebody else's life. So really, I wanted to share the parts that I feel like people could identify with or that they could take and say, hmm, I'm inspired by this and I want to share more of my story or live more of my truth or more of my life out there in the world. And it's a big deal to tell our story. I mean, I'm sure I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. It took me six months to get over myself to share my story. Like after the book was written, I just freaked out for six months and didn't put the book out because it felt so big. So even with all of the personal development work and spirituality and my connection to source and all of the things that I experienced, I still had so much fear about it. And I felt like, gosh, it feels like I'm just putting it out everywhere and who knows who's going to read it. And your mind just goes wild, right? The mind is a scary place to be when it's in fear because it thinks up all of these scenarios. And certainly when we share our story with people, especially vulnerable stuff, it feels like so tender that we wonder, like, is somebody going to really hurt me, right? Are they going to not understand my intention in sharing this? Are they going to say something mean when I'm being my most vulnerable self? These are all really important things and important life lessons, right, that we need to move through in really being able to stand in our truth and share ourselves authentically with people. And I'm so happy that Sandra Marinella joins me on the show today. She is an award-winning writing teacher and author from Chandler, Arizona. She has taught thousands of students and presented hundreds of writing and story sharing workshops. Her articles have appeared in the English Journal, 17, Wellbeing Journal, Psychology Today's blog, and more. When Sandra faced breast cancer, she turned to her personal writing to help with this difficult journey. The experience inspired her to teach writing of personal stories to veterans and cancer patients. As she watched storytelling and writing help others transform their lives, she wrote, The Story You Need to Tell, Writing to Heal from Trauma, Illness, or Loss. Currently, she teaches at Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, where research has established the effectiveness of her writing methods to reduce stress and increase our well-being. 
Her pioneering work shows us the power of finding our stories, sharing them, and writing our way out of darkness towards resilience and renewal. You can learn more at storyyoutell.com. With no further ado, Sandra Marinella. happy to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I am honored to be here with you, Shauna. This is going to be fun. I sat down and thoroughly enjoyed your book, The Story You Need to Tell. And really, if you have a title like The Story You Need to Tell, I mean, I just opened that up. I was like, okay, let's talk about this because <laughs> I believe in the power of our stories so much. So I was really happy when I started to go through it and also really moved by your story and the way you share it in the book. So maybe you can take everybody um, back a little bit to how you how you started being interested in writing and story, and then what happened to have you actually create this book. Oh, that's a great that's a great question, Shauna. Thank you. Uh, I think I look back over my life and I realize um, I think I, I was nine years old when my parents called me off to England. My dad wanted to do some special work in a, in a little coal mining town. And we went there to live and leaving Indianapolis, leaving the United States was a shock. And the good news was he gave me a little journal and said, you're gonna need this. And he was right, <laughs> he was absolutely right. I needed a journal. And uh, I, my mother and he gave me books to um, supplement the journal. So I was reading and writing, and that was the beginning of a very long journey. I became a reading and writing teacher, and it became a very powerful thing to have a journal throughout my life when I faced challenges and difficulties. And I think um, similar to your story, I love your story as well. I discovered I had cancer in 2012. And so many of us, our lives changed dramatically at that point. And I looked back through my life and realized that I had always used writing in my journal to navigate the difficult times and that it had been a powerful tool, a healing tool, and that I could once again use it. And I did. And it made all the difference in that journey for me. And and I'm sure you, you can tell some pretty interesting tales about um, the support um, that your story gave you as you went through your cancer too. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, when you have any type of, certainly any type of diagnosis, but really anything major that happens in your life that leaves you spinning, right? It's like when something happens really abruptly, um, it's hard to digest it. It's hard to understand it. And I think for a while, I don't know exactly how this was for you, but for a while I internalized it, I think, and I sat with it. And, and sometimes when we internalize, I think it's an important part of the process. And I know you talk about this in the book um, to kind of go within and just kind of be silent with it for a while. But at some point you can't sit in silence forever. Like it has to be expressed and you have to figure out, you know, when that's the right time for you and also how you want to express that. And what was so fascinating with writing is that sometimes for me, I'll just talk about personally, for me, I 
when I wanted to express it, it's, it's not like I really wanted to sit with someone to begin with that I already knew in my life where we had had stories of the past and, and express it and get their opinion on it. I just wanted to express it. And I just wanted to do that in a safe place to begin with. And so writing was really powerful for me as a way to kind of get it on the page. But, but I also didn't need to, in the early days, answer any questions about it or, or have any opinions on it. And for me, that felt comfortable and safe. Absolutely, Shauna. I, I think that early stage, um, I talk a lot in the book about the stages of writing and healing. And I teach them now quite a bit um, through the work I do at Mayo Clinic and other venues. But that first stage is is really one of silence or shock or trauma. Um, You're just trying to cope with um, whatever it is, the car wreck, um, the bad diagnosis, um, the death, the loss, whatever, whatever difficulty has hit you, it's something that you have to manage and I remember with my own cancer, for example, I did not want to talk about it. And like you, I did not want to answer questions. I wasn't posting about it. I really was not telling very many people. And it was such a safe haven to be able to go to the written page and frame the story and share the story, spill the story out, do what I had to do. I didn't do a lot of writing in the beginning. And I think often... We forget that when you're in shock or in trauma, sometimes there are no words. There simply are no words. You just need that space and um, to practice those rituals of kindness um, that you that you do, the personal tra- traditions that you have in your own life that make you comfortable. Uh, and, and the writing will come when the time is right. Yeah, it's really true. And you go through those phases, right? Those phases of, of healing, like you talk about. And what's interesting, I think, you know, I'll share this because I feel like I get asked about this a lot, but in my book, The Soul Frequency, I write a lot about my personal story of transformation um, and how my life changed so rapidly. Um, really, when I got skin cancer, that was like the beginning of my transformation. And then there was so much more that kind of continued on um, from that day forward. That was my first wake-up call um, to kind of shift my life. But I, I really went through a process when I was going to not just write for healing and write for myself, but to share this, you know, on a broader level. And I would share in my individual coaching sessions all the time about my healing journey and really deeply personal things. But if, but when I was going to put it into a book, I was like, oh my goodness, like, (laughs) am I really going to share this like in a book format? And I also went through thoughts, which people asked me about, about feeling like, I don't know if anybody really cares about my story. I mean, it's my story. It's kind of a, you know, I feel like a powerful story of, of prevailing and what transformation is possible. But I did go through all kinds of feelings around sharing my story. And I think we all do in different ways. And people have asked me about that in regards to books that they're writing or clients have asked me that, like, does anybody really care if I share my story? Can you talk about your perspective on the feelings that we have when we start to be vulnerable and share ourselves? Uh, Absolutely. I I think... um... Really, the whole, the entire book, the story you need to tell, is predicated on that idea that we have these profound things happening to us, actually all of the time, and we're pretty certain they don't matter. <laughs> pretty, yeah. No one else wants to hear them. 
Uh, I, I literally um, had a great deal of experience with this. And I found myself um, as I recovered um, from cancer, I was going through my own transformation. I had taught writing for 30 years. I had worked at high schools and colleges. I had seen just the miraculous properties of it. And then with the research I was doing, I realized, wow, this just isn't my experience. This is documented. We, we need to share this with the world that this is what can help us transform. But holding those stories inside, um, I became a, a story catcher of other people when I was writing this book. And I was, as they released their stories, I was watching their transformations, the miraculous changes in their lives. And I was sharing bits and pieces of my story as I wrote the book, but I actually went to my writing group uh, on Whidbey Island and the selfish source, and I shared the book with them. And in the reading of, I, I think it was the second, maybe third draft when they read it and they said, wow, but you know, it is the story you need to tell and there's hardly any of your story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that meant for two, two more years of me going back and drafting in my own story. And they kept telling me the power is in your story. And I thought, of course, I've been teaching other people to write and find and share and change their stories my entire life. But I had to model that, not just be the teacher in the book and the guide in the book, but I, I had to literally um, share my story. And it, it was such a, it's such a profound experience as you discovered, Shauna, right? I, I've seen it time and time again with my students, the thousands of students that I've worked with who tell me, wow, I, I thought I came to your creative writing class to write a, a bestseller, but I came to your class to write the story I needed to tell, and it's changed me. It, it does, and it's like, and what was interesting, it actually took me six months of like, literally walking through fear to even like put the book out in the world. I was so like, gripped with fear about sharing certain things, but I felt so called to do that. And what was fascinating is that so often when people send me direct messages, like over social media or send me emails, that the things that they share about the book that impacted them are largely like things that I shared about my life, right? That made them feel like they're not alone in their experience and that it's normal to feel these ways or it, it, you know, it's, I'm at this point in transformation. And when you shared about this, it made me feel like I wasn't going crazy or whatever it is. Right. And right. so it really showed me the power in sharing our humanness and our human journey and even though it feels vulnerable sometimes, and even though, you know, we have moments where our ego would love to just be like, yes, everything is wonderful and amazing and, and life is easy, that that's not really what the journey of life is about. And I think, you know, what your book does is give people permission and you give people amazing writing prompts and, and ways to start to look inside and share. And it's funny because you said, like we all have stories, we all have many stories that we go through that are powerful. And yet we just think, well, it's just my life. And what do I have, you know, to share about it? And we all have stuff to share. We all have powerful, amazing stories. And, and you're right, Shauna, we often lock them inside and we put ourselves down. We're sure they don't matter. And when they come out, um, we realize 
that they do matter. They matter um, not only for our psychological health and what we can teach and give to others, but they matter for our physical health. They affect us. When we lock them inside, uh, they dramatically impact us through disease, illness, um, and it's, it's profound when you start sharing those stories and giving them and realizing, hey, wait a minute. You know, this is a healing strategy. This is a growth strategy. And, and the word that you use and that I love, a transformation strategy. Definitely. And you talk about, like you said at one point in the book, like writing is a beautiful way to let the pain out. And I'm a big proponent of that. And we talk a lot on the show about moving out the emotional um, energy and pain. And I think writing is a way to give it a voice and, and a way to feel safe doing that. And you also like something else that really struck me too, is about journaling. And you talk about journal writing and you said journal writing gives us insights to who we are, who we were and who we can become. And when I read that, I was thinking back to all of the journals that I have from my younger years. And it's a you know, documents, I've read them before, like the ones from when I was a teenager. And I often just smile to myself and say, gosh, I was so worried about things that never came to be. And I was so concerned, you know, about certain things that now as an adult, I look back and go, oh my gosh, like it all worked out. And it, and reading that, like that perspective and that period of time in my life, like brought me to today. And it's like, oh, what are the ways I'm, I might be worried about things today that are just going to work out, right? In the way that I was before. So we can literally learn from ourselves by leaving that moment in time and our perspective in journal form. Absolutely. Uh, I, think, I think you've hit an important point um, by, by saying this. I know in my own life, when I reread my journals, I discovered when I was younger, the power of rumination in my life. That I would get it, I would get something that happened, um, and it would just twirl around in my brain over and over and over again. For example, I was um, concerned about moving to a, a new high school where all my friends had moved, and I thought, no, I want to be strong and independent, and I want to stay at the old high school and make a big difference in the lives of these students and be closer to home where my young children were. Well, that, I, that just played out over and over again and to the point where it was, I could immediately see it was really unhealthy. And in reading that, I began to understand that I had slowly but surely in my life learned not how to get stuck in the rut of rumination. And we can, we can, and our, our journals can teach us when we're doing that. And when we reflect on it, we can grow past that because worry and rumination are sad uses of our mind. I mean, we need to be engaged in fully living and experiencing. Um, we've got a lot of a really great holidays coming up and we need to be there for them. We need to be in the moment and be there for the people who matter to us and experience what we should be experiencing instead of living with these broken stories. It's so true. It's so true. And you talk also about like, I mean, I don't think you can even talk about writing it without talking about the inner critic. Um, so what's your perspective? I, you're a writing teacher and you've obviously like helped so many people bring their story forward. What are your thoughts on the inner critic? Well, I, I always tell my students that we all have one and don't think for one minute that you don't. And 
I, I suggest writing about your inner critic, visualizing your inner critic. Um, I call my inner critic Max. Um, I write his name frequently on the bottom of my shoe and I stomp on it. I get so mad. <laughs> but I, I think that we have to understand that that is just one voice in our head and that we have the power over that voice. Um, I taught a wonderful group of women at a bookstore here in Phoenix, Changing Hands, last month. And I taught them a course called Writing, Women Writing Through Change. And at the beginning of the course, we were talking how this was difficult to do. And they began to write about their critic and address their critic and fight their critic. And then we began to forget about our critics. Once we had acknowledged who the critic was and what they wanted, and that we weren't willing to give to them what we wanted. And that we wanted that. to go forward. We wanted to be resilient and strong. At the end of the class, I looked around the class. I said, does anybody here... Has anybody here talked to the inner critic lately? And they all started laughing. And they said, he left, he left. I love it. Well, and it's like, you don't give power to things that you don't want to expand in your life. Right, right. We, once we address him and know who he is or she is, um, we are able to say, you know, no, we can't, we can't put our energy with you. We have to put our energy in creating. We don't have enough energy to spread it to the negative things. Exactly, it's so powerful. I also found like the section really interesting where you talked about the brain and how the brain runs on stories. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> I love how neuroscience is teaching us that our brains collect like 4 billion pieces of information in any second. And we're only able to kind of assimilate about 2000 of those. And we pack those into stories, into experiences and stories. We hang on to the ones, of course, that are charged with emotion. And we replay those. And if they're broken stories, like you were in a car wreck or you were in a screaming match with your best friend, that will play over and over in your mind until you rewrite that story. So you begin, you have to take that story then to your left brain where meaning can be assigned and you can make it a better story and maybe in your left brain it'll say you need to talk to your friend you need to resolve this and and you know look at it from this perspective or that perspective so our brains are always choosing the stories we're going to hang on to and we need to be conscious of the ones we choose and when we're choosing broken stories we need to get them to a safe place into a good place in our lives where they can fit comfortably. That is so true. And, you know, it brings up, I have a seven-year-old son and he's learning words, like all kinds of different words. And one day he was having a hard time remembering some of them. And so one day I took this whole page of words and I told a story with it. I just put them all into a story, which of course was really funny because none of these words really belong together. <laughs> you know, it was something about a rat that pitched a tent in our living room. And I mean, I was just grabbing at things, right? And I'm making up the story as I go and he's laughing and having so much fun. And the next time we sat down to do those words, he remembered every single one of them because he's connecting it to the story. Sure. And 
for me, like I wasn't doing it really on, like it was just an idea. I was like, okay, maybe I'll make up a fun story. Then this will make this more fun than something that's just a page of words. And, um, and it really connected me when I was reading that in your book about story, I was like, oh, like that was what was going on. Like he was learning through the story and it made it easier to remember those words. Absolutely. We, we certainly learn through story. And I think we underrate the power of how we learn from story. I think it teaches us our ethics, our values. I mean, I taught stories for years and I used to think, why am I teaching these stories in classrooms? And and I think I tell the story in the book that one day in my senior AP class, um, there was the story of the prodigal son. It was the only Bible story in the literature book. And we read it. And suddenly I was just clobbered over the head with it because I had two boys growing up at the time. I think one was eight and one was 12. And I could just see that my one son caused me all kinds of problems. And the other son was so easy to raise. And this story was about that same scenario. And the father in the story of the prodigal son loves both the boys equally. And it's just that story, the meaning behind it and what it had, was saying to me, I realized, well, of course, that's, you know, this story when I was young, I learned it. And now that I'm older, I can read it and see that I too am struggling with raising my children, but that there is such beauty and love in my relationship with both of them. So stories teach us, they help us problem solve. They help us experience life and understand life. And they just make a a huge difference in how we view the world. So it's important um, not only to read and learn stories, but to decide in your own heart the stories you want to carry with you from your own life, you know, the stories that you think are important. I, I have recently lost both my parents, and I now find the stories from their lives, um, the, the beautiful things that they did for me are so much more prominent in my head. And I love having those stories there. They're, they're a tribute. I think of my mother leaving books on her on the little um, nightstand by her bed all the time. And I know she wanted me to borrow, you know, sneak the books away and read them, which I often did. And if she tried to make me read To Kill a Mockingbird, I wouldn't have slipped it off (laughs) and read it, right? Right. But those stories, and now the story of my mom is really an important story to me. She's such a strong woman and she helped make me the strong woman that I am and that I I want to be and, and help the girls that, my granddaughter's be. That is so beautiful. I'm so sorry for your loss. And what a beautiful way to think about remembering the people that we love that have transitioned. Because obviously, I love the stories like in my family of, you know, prior, way prior to when I was born, like my grandparents and my great grandparents and the stories that are passed down. I mean, this is oral tradition, right. how we share, you know, history um, within the family and with within the community. And so, I just think that that's so beautiful and um, and thank you for sharing that because oh, absolutely. I, think, I think sometimes we, um, you know, I think we forget to sit and listen to the stories sometimes when life is busy and we forget the value. And then obviously after somebody passes on, like we want all the stories and to remember all of those moments. And it's just a good reminder to sit and talk and gather the stories and be, you know, let someone share their story 
Yes, I, I keep some some odd photos, various um, photos from various events. So that when we have a family gathering, uh, my, my kids know where those photos are. And sometimes they'll go pull them out and they'll go, remember the time grandma walked into the cake and blamed me? Um, you know, <laughs> things like that. But, but also, I, I, I was thinking about what you were saying, and I loved it because I, I thought not long ago, um, I went to Disneyland um, with my granddaughter. And my granddaughter was really busy. She wanted to find um, Princess Elsa, and she couldn't find Princess Elsa. She was really ups- upset. But then later she calmed down and she said, well, you know, being a hero is, is really hard work. She's really very busy. And that night we went home and she was drawing this picture and it was a picture of her and there was a ladder and there were all these people coming down the ladder. And I said, what's that? And Macy, my granddaughter said, oh, I'm, I'm practicing being a superhero like Elsa. I'm helping these people get down the ladder. Their house is burning. And I thought, what a great story. And I thought, this is a hero story. We're all, we all forget, you know, I thought children so often are so caught up in stories and we need to listen, as you said, listen to our grandparents, but we need to listen to our children too and capture those stories and, and hold those stories. They're really, really important in our lives. They are so beautiful. I mean, like I said, I have a seven-year-old, so I mean, his imagination and the stories he tells and where would they take information? Like you plant a seed of information and they take it in this whole other direction that is so creative. Like you can track and go, oh yeah, we talked about this yesterday and now he's created this whole other story. It's just, it reminds me of the purity of our minds and hearts mm-hmm. when we're not so busy, right? Or yeah. inundated yeah. and we're just able to like free flow information and ideas and concepts and creativity. Yes, well said, very well said, Sean. I think, I think part of the beauty of writing, and I always like to tell people, don't be afraid of it. I mean, you can scribble in your journal, you can draw in your journal. Um, you don't even have to use a journal. Many of the people I work with say, I refuse to do a journal, but I will scratch my poems over here in this notebook or whatever. And I just cheer them on. I mean, we have to find what works for us to hold our story and to collect our story and, um, and really framing those stories is really framing our lives because we view ourselves in our heads by the stories that we think are important that define us. So um, it's important work sharing and holding our stories. It is such important work. And thank you for your contribution in writing the book, The Story You Need to Tell. You guys go grab this book. It's really, really impactful. And there were so many different facets to the book. I mean, it's, it talks about the brain and story. It talks about writing prompts to get you writing and journaling and all these different ways. I think, you know, like you said, it's just about starting and exploring and finding what the right way is for you to express yourself. But um, you definitely put together a really comprehensive book so that people can feel like, oh, I can do this. And so thank you for that. Thank you, Sean. I, I love talking with you. Yeah. So we're going to ask you the four questions we ask all of our guests on the show. um, And we can't wait to hear your answers. Um, This is based on a process I take people through, a transformational process called the anatomy of transformation. And the first step in the process is truth. And so we really look at 
what are the deep truths that are rising up in my life? What are the big, powerful truths that are catalysts to my growth and expansion? So what is a deep truth that you've come across in your life? I think the power to open my inside up and give my inside truth to others has been profound. Mm, That's so beautiful. And usually when we have a deep truth, on the other side of that, there's something that needs to be released, which is the second pillar. So whether it's a belief system we've had before or a limitation or even people in our life or circumstances, what was it for you that you just kind of had to like set aside or release when you started to share more of your truth? Oh, I definitely think my my inner critic. Um, yes, I, I felt that I... Um, you know, was was too uh, in, not not worthy to have insights and wisdom, but we are all worthy <laughs> to have insights and wisdom. So I think probably like all the writers I deal with, I had to um, to struggle with my inner critic. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a it's such a valuable experience to go through a little bit of that struggle and come out the other side of it. I think it's kind of like a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So beautiful. So the third pillar is experience. And and once we can release, let's say the inner critic, there's a new experience of life. There's a new freedom. So what did you feel when you kind of were able to set that inner critic aside and really step forward with your work? Well, I I felt a freedom. Um, I've been doing a lot of professional speaking, a lot of teaching uh, at Mayo, working with doctors and and psychiatrists and physicians and social workers. Um, I think that experience and working with veterans, um, just, whoa, a whole other level of experience. I had always taught and been in in wonderful classrooms, just cloistered in high school and college classrooms with students and writing. Now I feel that the world, (laughs) that the, that the world is my community, not not the classroom. Mm, it's so beautiful. And the fourth is really about a line, which is what are the things that keep us in our truth? What are the things that keep us living authentically? And like you just shared, continuing to expand your mission and help even more people and more different sets of people that could benefit from your work. Oh, that's a, this is so beautiful, Shauna. And I know your work, but now that I'm in the midst of it, <laughs> I'm loving it. I, I think story holds me and frames me. And I think I am, story is an ongoing, our narrative, um, which is, is going to be known in our culture eventually as narrative medicine, narrative therapy. Um, the, the framing of my story and is, what, is what grounds me and what helps me move forward. And I have to keep writing it. I have to keep pursuing it and growing it. And I know this this work I'm doing now at Mayo with um, patients and with physicians, um, we're we're going to grow it. I hope, I'm I'm a full believer, Shauna, that we're here to make this world the best we can make it. And that story and, and framing it so that it's comfortable and can keep growing in a positive way matters to me. That is so beautiful. And narrative therapy, is that what you're working on at Mayo is basically having people like write their story as, as a vehicle for releasing like emotional pain and understanding the things they're going through? 
Absolutely. Um, I, I, I teach self-care in the community in a lot of venues, but at Mayo, we teach a class that's called The Story You Need to Tell. We teach, I teach it right from the book, and I teach about how to transform, how to use writing to transform your health and your life. We do positive writing. We do med- meditation writing. We do challenge writing. We do the kinds of writing, gratitude writing, that will... Um, intention writing that will make you whole again, that will help you frame your life in your story. They call it at, at Mayo, they talk a lot about narrative medicine in the community. Um, social workers, therapists, counselors, teachers talk more about narrative therapy, about the power of story in our lives. So beautiful. What an incredible contribution and to bring it into so many different, different sectors and different people's lives. Because obviously we know it heals anyone that it touches, but to have the receptivity like in the community to, to, to understand the power in it, I think is definitely a nod to all of the different healing modalities that are being seen more and being understood. And just that is amazing that you're doing that. I'm so thrilled and what a gift. And what a gift you're giving us with your work as well, Shauna, giving people a voice and and sharing the power of our energy and the abilities we have to use these different strategies to make our lives whole and full and better. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being here with us and sharing your gifts and, um, and encouraging us, right, to share our story. Oh, I feel, I feel like a very lucky lady to have spent time with you. And I wish you and all your listeners and my followers who listen um, well I'm sending well wishes out and blessings out to all of you. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, lots of love. Thank you, guys. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. 